This is Cinema Degeneration. If I may put forward a slice of personal philosophy, I feel that man has ruled this world as a stumbling, demented child king long enough. And as his empire crumbles, my precious black widow shall rise as his most fitting successor. I'm Frederick Lawrence. I've rented the house on Haunted Hill tonight so that my wife can give a party. A haunted house party. She's so amusing. There'll be food and drink and ghosts. And perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. Can you look around this world and believe in the goodness of a god who rules it? Famine, pestilence, war, disease, and death. They rule this world. The mark of Satan is upon them. They must hang. And now for you, Bartholomew, my beloved brother, while you are still alive, my ultimate device of torture. Now he must die. The Dr. Death that we created, he must die. I am not afraid. There is always room for more in the coffin of time. The instinct is alive within me. And you, Dr. Death, are you afraid? No. No, you're going home. Come. Nine killed you. Nine shall die. Nine eternities in doom. The tingler has been paralyzed by your screaming. There is no more danger. We will now resume the showing of the movie. I'm William Castle, and I feel obligated to warn you about the next attraction you will see at this theater. The picture is the tingler, which I directed. And for the first time in motion picture history, members of the audience, including you, will actually play a part in the picture. You will feel some of the physical reactions, the shocking sensations experienced by the actors on the screen. I guarantee that The Tingler has more shocks per minute than my last film, The House on Haunted Hill. But don't be alarmed. You can protect yourself. When you see the picture, you will be told and remember the instruction how you can guard yourself from attack by The Tingler. And now may I show you a few scenes from The Tingler?
Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's Vincent Price Appreciation Month. And we're covering one hell of a film here today. Uh, Vincent Price's uh, filmography is filled with all sorts of impressive titles. But, you know, in 1959, he had two back-to-back that were just absolutely amazing. One of them being House on Haunted Hill, which we're also going to cover uh, probably tomorrow night. We're going to be recording on that one. But this one in particular is the second film that Vincent Price did with one William Castle as the director. And this is 1959's The Tingler. And it was one of the several films that uh, Hill, not Hill, but uh, that uh, Castle had done, you know, with a... uh, you know, a gimmick. He was a gimmicky director. He always had things going on to help bring people in and put butts in seats back in the day. And this gimmick was called Percepto. And the Percepto was a gimmick was a, a buzzer that he would have underneath the seats to buzz the butts of the audience. And I think I'd read, I'm not sure exactly what the, the, the number was, but he said he figured he had, uh, he had buzzed, uh, I think, something of 200,000 butts. <laughs> 200,000 <laughs> rear ends in seats. It might have been, the number might have actually been a little higher, or a little lower, but I'm sure those numbers were, quote unquote, a little inflated, but who cares? But uh, before I get ahead of myself, uh, my co host is my usual grindhouse pizzeria brother, Tom Commissar. How the hell are we doing today? We're doing great. My, we're doing great, my friend. This is very exciting. This is. One of those movies that just, you know, oh, it was such a, such a, such a pleasure to revisit, and uh, just classic, you know, Vincent Price, and uh, of course William Castle, and I'm so excited to talk about it today with you, and uh, I'm just thank you for, uh, thank you for uh, doing this uh, honor for uh, Vincent Price, and I'm I'm very tickled, to, I'm very tingled to be a part of it. Uh, it's is your uh, tingle is, tingling? Is my tingle? My tingler's tingling. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was funny and, uh, that we we before we recorded the show last night. I saw the new Spider Man, and every time they mentioned, like several times during the movie, they mentioned, "Is your tingles tingling, or is you know your spidey sense tingling?" Every time they mentioned that, I kept thinking, "I'm like, up, oh, we're doing the Tingler tomorrow." The Tingler, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's weird because I, you know, when I bring up uh, William Castle films in in the horror community, people, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's split down the middle. A lot of people like him. A lot of people think his gimmicky stuff was too much. I thought it was ingenious. Some of the Me things too. that he did to get butts in seats and make it like audience the uh, audience participation, and I think they kind of the movie Popcorn from the nineties kind of played upon that as well. You know, doing gimmicks, smell of vision, you know, shocking butts right. and seats and stuff. It was something. It got the butts in the seats. You know, it's like, what are you doing to make your movie different? And William Castle knew how to do that. I think. It was a sign of the times, you know, it was all the like, okay, who's going to come up with the <clears throat> the latest crazy thing? I, and I, I look back on that stuff and I, I look at those directions. I go, I, I love, I miss, like I wasn't, you know, when this came out, obviously I wasn't born yet. But but when I look back and I and I see this stuff and I look at like old, you know, people talking about it. And you see the posters and they got the gimmick thing on it. That's what's exciting about like movies like this is like. It's like a circus show. It's like a sideshow barker, you know, fucking sitting there like, come in, come on, see the tingle, you know, and and it gets you like, what the fuck is that, you know? And like, you don't even know. And 
and like just all these other gimmicks that all these especially like in the horror thing like where filmmakers would have you know a hearse or an ambulance parked in front of a theater and they'd right. have a nurse they'd have nurses inside just in case you passed out you know there you got met we got medical staff here to help you like who the fuck wouldn't want to see that and then the hand and then being handed like a vomit bag you know like you know i'm not talking about the tingler but i'm talking about in general like you know, like the gimmicks they, they, they these directors would do or, or or producers, you know, and like it was so God, that must have been so much fun, you know. You walk yeah. in and have like nurses standing there in case you and a doctor, which you know they're just people. They some schmuck offering thousand dollar life insurance policies right. against death yeah. by fright. <laughs> you, right. you might get scared, you might die. You know, it's like that's fucking great. I mean, who wouldn't? Uh, what a time experience that, alive. You know? I would have. Yeah. You know, oh come on, man. I mean, that's those. It's odds gimmicks. Yeah, it's like fucking gimmick, and it's a goddamn good one. You know, it's, it's funny as hell, man. It's like you gotta laugh, and you, and I bet you know, like little kids, like, well, I mean, we'll get into it as this show goes. But the, the tingler, and it's like when, but when they show these things, even if they're like cheesy, cheap looking, when you're a little kid, and you see this stuff, man, it freaks you out. I, I don't know about kids nowadays, you know, because we're all so used to stuff, but. Back then, like stuff like that, like we we could laugh about it and stuff like that. But there were people that were generally freaked out, you know, like oh, I'm my sure God, there was people so. that left the there was people that left the theaters probably scared out of their wits back well, then. Scared, or, yeah, they couldn't sleep. Went on. I'd have been laughing. <laughs> I'd have been laughing yeah. even if I was a kid. I would have been laughing. Oh yeah. I always felt like I was born a couple decades too late for things like that. Right, right. <laughs> well, let's get into the film itself. I want to, as usual, I want to uh, cover cover everything from beginning to end, but before we really get started, we'll just do the quick IMDb synopsis. Okay. The Tingler, 1959, is as follows. An obsessed pathologist discovers and captures a parasitic creature that grows when fear grips its host. That's pretty spot on, too. I love the the in, <laughs> the, the beginning, the, what do we call it, the 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 film prologue when William Castle would come out. That was also a gimmick I liked. You know, as I am William Castle, the director of the motion picture you're about to see, I, I feel obligated to warn you. And then it goes on and on. Right. It, it was just like, I, I, I missed that day, th th that kind of stuff. You know, the it was just the showmanship of it. It was like you said, it was like a bar carnival barker, like, come here and see the three-headed monkey. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it was perfect. What a way to set up a movie. Can, can you imagine, like, you're sitting there, and like, like now, right away, you're like, okay, you know, but back then, like, you know, you didn't see that. And like, you so like stuff like that. And like, people were kind of competing to see what to get people butts in the seats, like you were saying. And it's like, imagine that you're sitting there and, you know, and maybe you don't really see these kind of movies and you don't really know what to expect. And then like the director comes out and be, you know, he's setting you up for like, you know, like, oh my, and you're thinking to yourself, like, Maybe you're starting to get a little nervous, like what what's gonna happen here? Like what you know, like what what's you know, what's going on? Like what the you hell know? are and we it, in for? <laughs> yeah, now you're getting a little anxious, you know, maybe getting a little nervous, like what the fuck? And the lights are out, you know, like this director's giving you a warning and you know, and and can I, it's like it, it's yeah, it's brilliant. And that, and that's great too. It just looks it's just it's especially seeing it, you know, just this the black and white and him standing there and then getting it set up uh with the with the whole thing and then and then it goes right into like these <laughs> the screaming like three the, the, screaming faces like they come out you they, they just kind of come up on the screen 
and they're just screaming, you know, and, and, they, and they're like, what the fuck is this? You know, like, what, who starts a movie like this? Well, William Castle does. You right, know? right. It's the fucking Tingler, motherfucker, you know, but, you know, get your popcorn. And, uh, you know, and it's all, oh, it's great. And then they go right to the cut of, uh, 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 turns out to be, it's somebody that, um, uh, basically a psycho killer guy. Yeah, they that, said he uh, killed, uh, they didn't go much into detail, but he had killed two women and he was, they're right. taking him to the electric chair. Right, so they're so he's he's getting ready to be killed. So he's he's freaking out. So right off the bat, we've got you know three screaming faces. We got this psycho that they're dragging through a fucking, you know, uh, you know, getting ready to be executed. And then it goes and then it he's cackling right through. wildly. He's cackling like Woody Woodpecker. He's you know he's he's not going uh, quietly into that good night. Right. He, he's you know like I'm gonna die. Fuck it. You know he's just you know he's losing his shit. And then so and then and then we just kind of go into the movie. It goes right into uh, uh, you see a, like a door where it says autopsy. And uh, yeah, you don't uh, see the execution. It just goes straight from no. that to the autopsy room where Vincent's, uh, you know, his playing. A, a yeah, they wheel the body. They're wheeling the body in. There's a gentleman standing there. Uh, what's his name again? Uh, Ollie. Yeah, uh, Ollie. That's it. That's Ollie. Played Higgins. by uh, Philip Coolridge. Yes. And uh, so he's he's there, and they wheel this the guy in, and he's under a sheet. Now we don't see anything. It's like you know that old days; they're not really showing you anything. But but um, uh, Vincent Price has got his apron. He puts his aprons on, on and puts his gloves on, and and then uh, uh, Ollie comes in and introduces himself, which is and, an awkward uh, exchange because he's like, "Who are you? Oh, I'm nobody." And he's like, well, right. then I want you to leave me the hell alone. He's like, well, right. I, and you need to get out of here. <laughs> he's like, well, that guy, the guy you're working on, it was my wife's brother. And, uh, you know, I had a pass to the execution. <laughs> it was like, right. yeah, that was kind of funny. Like, what, what? Okay. <laughs> and Ollie is just a weird character. I mean, the, remember the first time I watched this going, this guy's just strange. Yeah. You know, he's just very odd. He's very odd looking. His mannerisms are very odd. You know, I always kind of felt like, <laughs> and I guess I would be right that he have, would have something else going on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I like his character because the whole time he's just kind of like he's he's very kind of innocent, kind of just quizzical, like he asks questions and he's just kind of curious and he doesn't very over sheepish. Yeah, you know? sheepish and 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 it's funny his character. I, I like. It's like it's almost like like stuff normally are like okay you're. Okay, you witnessed the execution. Now you're in the autopsy room. Like, who would want to do that? Like, I'm going to go in and watch this. And like, oh, I'll just sit there. And, and Vincent Price, uh, well, Dr. Warren Chapin is uh, Vincent Price. Um, and uh, and uh, he's just doing this thing. And he's just kind of there like nonchalant, like while he does this autopsy. And uh, and, uh, Vince, and that, that's kind of like we find out because Vincent doesn't know who this guy is. He doesn't like the guy he's working on in the autopsy. And so uh, Ollie kind of fills him in about who this guy was, like you said. And then uh, it's just kind right. of like he just so it's really cool. It's kind of a good back and forth. They don't know each other yet. They're just kind of going on about, you know, different things. And uh, well, Ollie, Ollie, ahead, Ollie starts talking about, you know, uh, Vincent does or Warren Chapin starts talking about how he has an experiment with fear. And it's right. like how powerful the force of fear is. And he's like, you know, the force of fear would be enough it's enough to crack vertebrae almost in two, you know, if you right, can't right. it. 
And he talked about how, you know, he's been experimenting with this. And then the guy, uh, Ollie, says something to the effect. So it was like, oh, the tingle of fear or something to that effect. And <laughs> I love more um, Vincent's character is warned. He's like, you know, I've been working on this for a year and I think you just for years and I think you just came up with the idea. Right. Um, but to <laughs> finally fucking name name it. We'll call it the Tingler. The Tingler. I love yeah, I love that. It's a great setup. Like, well that's why it's called the Tingler. He's like, well and, I've never had a name for it up until now. I'll think I'll call it the Tingler. And that's you know the genesis of, of it. And you know, and the guy is just nervously watching the entire time that you know Warren is you know, working on this body again, like you said before, you never see it is all kind of happening just off camera. And, you know, he basically says, you know, the fear causes like all this tension in the body. And if it's not released, if you can't release it, can it be strong enough to kill you? Can, you know, fright, AKA fear really fucking kill you. And you will find out that by the end of this movie, that it sure the fuck can. I, I, I like how, while he's filling out the, uh, while Ch- Dr. Chapin is, filling out the uh like the autopsy report he kind of goes into a little thing like it's almost like what everything you deal with and like shit going on in the world you know like he can't tell the truth really what's going on about the fright thing so he just kind of puts in there i died of a heart condition you know I don't, yeah I died like of a, cardiac yeah. arrest like i gotta put down i gotta put down basically you know the old usual you know like he just had a heart attack or something and it was like you know but uh, it's interesting how how they uh, how he kind of just goes into that, you know, like he can't really get into what he thinks is going on, and so he's got to put something on there. Well, he's just got to put on the obvious that he died of a heart attack, but there's a lot, you know, obviously there was more more than that going on. Right, you know? right, because you know he hasn't found you know any uh, how you can say concrete proof that this is what's happening, but he knows that they you know died from fright. But you know, again, without concrete evidence as a scientist or slash doctor, nobody's going to believe him. You know, so he's 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 again all about the experiment, as all fucking uh, semi crazy mad scientists are. You know, they're they're gonna it's just like a Doctor Frankenstein. He's going to keep going until he right he gets that concrete proof, and then uh, he just you know finishes his autopsy, and is just like ah, where do you live? I'll give you a ride home and. And he takes Ollie to what? One of my favorite locations to have in a in a horror movie? A movie theater. Right. <laughs> exactly. And it just so happens Ollie, you know, runs this local theater there where they show silent movies. It's just kind of, you know, it's almost like they're kind of just kind of hanging out, you know, and he invites them in and or invites them. Doesn't he invite them for a beer or something? And I think up, he comes up and he says something to the effect, and he's like, uh, when they get there, he's like, do you want to come in for a beer or a coffee? And they, I think he, he takes the coffee or, or something. Yeah, he decides yeah. to take the coffee, and they just decide to go, uh, instead of going into the theater, he, you know, he uh, uh, Higgins, Ollie Higgins just kind of lives right there at this, up above the theater, takes uh, Dr. Chapin up there and kind of apologize to him, but the place looks kind of old-fashioned, and and it's kind of funny because Vincent Price has a kind of weird look on his face. Like he's like, oh, it's an old fashioned place, but my wife likes it this way. And he just has this look like I can't get out of here quick enough. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but he's polite. It reminds me polite, when I you know, everybody dressed in the suits and the hats. It reminds me when I was a little kid, like how many people like dressed like that. Like they had suits on, hats, little 
handkerchief out of like sticking out of the coat and just how like a, there was a cordial like they didn't want to be rude so they were just like they went up for their thing and they were very polite and you know and, and, and it was very cordial and uh, everybody apologizing for really nothing you know like i'm sorry about that i'm sorry, oh, <laughs> sorry for the state of the place sorry. Sorry, i'm sorry you know everybody you know everybody's just being so nice and but and, ollie and, blames it on his wife right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, poor martha uh, Martha Higgins, who's played by Judith Evans, uh, right. she's really great in this for somebody who never speaks. When, well, he introduces um, Warren to to Martha. You know, he's like, oh, it belongs to my wife, but we run it together. And he, that's when he invites him up for a beer or a coffee. Well, actually, and, she, uh, Martha's in the actual box office at first. Yeah, she's uh, counting money. And that's when we kind of see, we find out that he's given her sign language. So we know now, and Martha, at least we know she's deaf, and uh, but we don't know she's mute yet. But she comes up, and then uh, they're already up in the apartment, and he's making coffee. And she comes up and kind of doesn't even pay any attention that uh, that uh, there's a strange man in her house. Like, you know, they not really paying too much attention to what's going on, washing her hands. And then, uh, uh, yeah, she's put first, she puts money in the safe and then she washes her hands. And then she's, she's very OCD. Like she she even says so. Uh, Ollie does, you know, she's OCD. She's, she's got to put the money in the safe every time she comes upstairs. She has to wash her hands and then explains that, you know, people's hands have, uh, so many germs on them and everything right. so she doesn't shake hands and vincent is just like or uh warren is just like yeah you know I, I, yeah i, I, I would agree or something like that yeah, yeah he's, he's like you know right. i'm a doctor i get you i get you right right because you know because you know he offered you know she didn't want to shake hands with him you know so it's pretty cool so he pours I, I, I think he didn't want he didn't want to shake hands with her anyway so <laughs> i think he was okay with that you know like we're good you know yeah we're good i don't want to shake hands with you either <laughs> so, so this is the in the kitchen and she's fussing around there wiping her hands and doing whatever and then he gets the coffee uh he gives the coffee uh warren and uh and then he accidentally drops the saucer and cuts himself it's just kind of a weird thing he kind of drops the saucer in the sink and then he holds his hand out right between his thumb and his index finger on that little fleshy tissue right there there's a little little blood and when Margaret sees it, she like just goes into some weird catatonic kind of like she can't even like bear to even look at it. She just drops and passes out on the floor. And yeah. uh, and you can so, tell it like it scares us. Like her, she's yeah. got very expressive eyes. And I, yeah, I mean, it freaked her out. I know that's the reason why they hired her. Because- yeah, she's got a she's got a kind of a unique look, you know, in her face. She looks looked really. And uh, so being a doctor, you know, he just looks up at uh, Ollie, you know, hands him his car keys, you know, go to my car and get my bag, you know. So, you know, like, back in those uh, days, the doctor carried everything he would possibly ever need in one little satchel. Dude, and I remember when I was a little kid, just wrote a side note. I remember doctors, you could call your doctor and they'd come out to your house with a little brown bag. I remember that when we were real little, really sick. My mom called our doctor, Dr. Schwartz. He came out and treated me and my brother. We we're really sick. We had the, both had the flu really bad or something. He came out with his little black bag in the middle of the night in his little suit and took care of us. I mean, that was that was some that was some pretty cool stuff back then. You know, but it like, is, yeah. it's so weird when you think about it that we're only a matter of a couple of decades. You know what I mean? Away from those days, right. just so weird when you think yep. about it. The the advances that <laughs> the medical industry has uh, 
made in you know right. just a couple right. of decades. So she so uh so all and uh that's and so they hit it off, you know, you could tell they got a good relationship, you know, like Holly uh brings the bag up and yeah, he gives her the old smelling salts, kind of wakes her up, and she kind of wakes up and just goes back to what she was doing. She goes right to the, the right back safe. To the safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah that the was safe opens yeah. up the, the safe, makes sure the money's there, and then she just seems concerned about with Ollie. She's just explaining in sign language that's like it's time to open up the box office. They got to open up the box office and you know and right. get everything ready. That's all she cares about. But you know, but Vincent as Warren is very prim and proper, and he explains to her that you know he because she can read lips pretty well. And he explains to her, you know, like, hey, I'm sorry for causing all the trouble. And she, you know, apologizes back. And it's all very, very strangely cordial for what just happened. Right. And then uh, the doctor bids good day and he goes home and he pulls up in front of his really nice house. And uh, he goes in and then we see a lovely young lady coming down who's very dressed up and ready to go out for the evening. Uh, and that tur- And that is his wife's sister her younger sister yes um and uh what, what's her name again she's lucy played by she's lucy lincoln yes lucy stevens it's kind of a father's no best moment if you've ever watched that old tv show he's just you know you could tell there's some tension a little bit between that and uh his wife and that doesn't, doesn't yeah because he looks up. around for her and he's like oh she went out about an hour ago his wife isabel Right. And went out and we will find out later, but for sake of argument uh, here, but she's uh, not, not very, how would you say, not very faithful. Right. Them. Right. And he knows it. You know, he's just kind of like, and he's kind of, you could tell that this is, this isn't something new. This well, is and he their... blames, they have an exchange and he blames it on himself. And he's like, yeah, I don't like the opera. I don't like going to parties and drinking. So no wonder she goes out and, you know, kind of does her own thing without me. He's like, I'm just a, you know, a boring pathologist. And, and she's like, she says something about something to the effect where she's ashamed of her sister and what she does to him. Right. And we, and we kind of get the idea now that he's pretty much married to the job and he's very dedicated to science. His latest project that he's working on, which is, you know, trying to find out what, what happens to the human body when they're, when they're extremely terrified. You know, and, and this whole thing. And, and so we kind of get like he's really you could get the idea like they've got money and, you know, his wife's out doing whatever she wants to do. And then, uh, and, yeah, you, know, you get the feeling just, that, that she's got she's got money. <laughs> they right, don't right. have money. <laughs> she right. no, she's got money. Right. And then we get to meet Dave, um, Dave, who happens to be Dave Morris. Am I correct? Yes. 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 Now, Dave is uh, the. He's, he happens to be the date for uh, the lovely Lucy Stevens tonight, but he also is the assistant to uh, Dr. Warren Chapin. He helps him on his uh, his uh, science experiments and stuff, and he's he's a fellow. Uh, I don't know if he's a doctor yet or anything. I don't remember that, but he's uh, but he's, he's just, just a student, an understudy or a student. Yeah, an understudy that. because they have an exchange where she even mentions Lucy does that. Isabel is, we kind of glossed over this, but Isabel is her official guardian. And yes. she, and she's in charge. She's like, because she says something to the effect, I didn't write the line down, but she's like, but does being somebody's, you know, guard, guardian mean that, you know, you control every aspect of their life and how much she hates that, you know, the way Isabel treats her and treats him. 
you know, she's like, I'm too young and David's too poor and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't doesn't uh, approve of her and David's relationship. So that's why she's getting ready to go out with David before. <laughs> right. Before, before Isabel, before Isabel gets comes home. home. Right. Now, there is something interesting that happens here. Dave brings in a little tiny package for um, for uh, Dr. Chapin. Um, he brought him something that it turns out to be later. Well, we find out. I don't know if we want to give this away yet. But he gives him he gives him this little that's got a vial in it of some sort of medicine. And oh, we can uh, and, get or, we can get into it because I think that's an interesting point of, of this movie. Is well, it's well, just come right out and say it. It's a liquid LSD, and, right? Which at the time <laughs> in the fifties here was still legal. Right. Correct. And um, a bit of trivia on this. I, I do have some trivia uh, here and there throughout the, the, my notes. This was the first time that a LSD trip was captured on film by a mainstream film. It had been done like in some other like documentaries and whatnot. But at least according to the info that I read, it was the first time that an LSD trip, a bad, a, a bad trip at that, had been captured on film. Ah, that's interesting. Well, I could see that, you know, like, you know, especially at that time at in 59, 58, 59, that'd be pretty like, you know, like filming something like that. Well, you know, we now would be like, ah, you know, they film stuff more in the <laughs> Yeah, 60s, it's kind of old know, hat by now. <laughs> but now you've got, but you've got like a, somebody like, you know, Vincent Price. It's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, it's the scene actually that we're discussing actually is quite long. Because they keep going on, you know, they want to get out and go to the thing, and they keep going back into this experiment and like what he's, you know, what they're working on and what he wants to do. It's a fun exchange because as soon as like David comes in, he's all happy to see Lucy, but the minute that he sees the doctor, he's all about. He's a lot like uh, he's like like, he's like the doctor. Yeah, it's like they're excited to see each other. Because they want to get in the background, literally like sighing and crossing her eyes, like, come on. Get this beautiful woman waiting to be taken out, but they can't talk. They're still talking shop, you know. And uh, so that's guys, sometimes we're just clueless. (laughs) Dinner and dancing, right? (laughs) Right. You can talk about your mad experiments later. Like so then, it, like it happens a couple times because, like Vincent, at one point, he's like, "Oh yes, yes, we you young kids get out and go out," and, and he leads her to the door and David to the door, and he goes and he goes on. He's holding like the box of the little thing with the LSD in it, and then yep. he and he says he starts talking about it again. It turns around, and then they cut to Lucy, and she's kind of like, "Oh boy, and like, here, here we, we go, go again, right?" <laughs> and, you know, but, but she's a good sport about it. She's a sweet kid. Yep, yep. and uh, and uh, and a so bit of trivia. I was going to say this to the end, but I think we should probably mention it here. Uh, Daryl Hickman, who plays David Morris, and uh, Pamela Lincoln, who played Lucy Stevens, actually got married shortly after the movie came out. After the movie premiered, oh. they they got married and stayed married for some 20-some-odd years. Wow. A little bit of trivia for you. Well, that's cool. So they met on this movie? Yeah, they met on the movie, and oh, then they fell in cool. love, got married, and... Had a couple of kids, and I'm not sure what else, you know, happened in their lives. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, so they found true love on the set of The Tingler. That's cool. Well, what they do now is they finally do get to go out, and uh, Dr. Chapin looks up at the clock. It's 8.30. Now, he's sitting in his back. I don't know if it's up in his study or his bedroom. I don't remember, or the living room. He's reading. This is when we see the book, and he's reading something that mentions the LSD. Like, it's like he's reading about it. 
the book cover, what's it say? I forget it says. Oh, I forget. I didn't write it down. <laughs> uh, he's oh, Two it pages says, of notes, but I, I wrote it down. One. I wrote it down. Fried effects induced by injection of lysergic acid and then some numbers or whatever. So he's reading about that. Obviously, now we're going into the evening. He looks at his watch and it, I remember it said, I think it said one o'clock. So he's like sitting there. And so now he hears a noise. He goes to check and he looks out the window. And uh, it's interesting when every time they show the woman, a woman to hear like a little saxophone, like, you know, yeah, so kind it's of like a jazzy style. Yeah, kind of a sexy, yeah. sexy jazz saxophone. And they show her and she's obviously she's in the arms of another man and she's kissing this gentleman and she's outside by this guy's car. And so uh, Dr. Chapin walks over to the like a big hutch, opens a drawer and there's a pistol in there. And he pulls his pistol out and he turns off a light and he puts the pistol in his pocket. We're like, oh, shit, what's going to happen here? Like, it's you know, about to go down. So she thinks she's cool. She's like, um, she comes sneaking in. She's dressed to the nines with her mink stole and her, her dress and uh, high heels. She slips off her heels and she's going to go sneaking up the steps like. You know, uh, kind of like a like kid a, sneaking in. Yeah, after right. Dark, exactly. Old man. And then he just kind of strolls out from the study and she's like, oh, hi. <laughs> and so he's just like, you know, he doesn't go. Oh, there you are. <laughs> right. He, he ex explains to her, you know, he starts talking to her, uh, you know, he's about her quote unquote infidelity. And he's like, they waste no time establishing that too like right out the bat you're like oh okay <laughs> this you don't fuck with this chick she, she's fucking she's pretty fucking shrewd she's mean like she don't give a you know like they you could tell these two are not i, I love. love the line when he says to her because she says something like oh i thought you were above standing there in the dark and he just kind of looks at her and he's like mm, does your feet hurt and motioning towards <laughs> it that she's carrying her shoes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, it's good. It's this is he has a great the line that he, I wrote down. He's like, "Oh, love and bloom right on the sidewalk." And right. Like, Listen, you know, <laughs> you went from like uh, tinkering with corpses to peeping around in the dark. She doesn't. She just does not care about the actress's oh, name she, is Pat Patricia Cuts. Yeah, and, and she she doesn't. Yeah, she's not taking any shit. You know what I mean? Whether whether you like her or not, you know she she's not taking none of his shit. She. You know, and she just like lets him have it. And she walks in and throws her mink stole on this really elegant couch and pours herself a drink. It's a real beautiful house or set. I don't know if it's a set or a house or film, and it's probably a set. But it's uh, but it's, it's beautiful. The, 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 it's a set it's, or a house, it's, either way, it's very yeah, beautiful. It's 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 the you know it's the top you know like if you got money, you're living in a place like this in 1959. You know, you know he doesn't even you know he kind of foregoes the fact that that she's cheating on him. Right. He doesn't even kind of talk to her too much about that. He really goes into, you know, how she's treating Lucy because they, you find out that they got an inheritance. Right. She's kept it all. Won't give Lucy her half because she's younger than her, her since she's the guardian. So she won't give up her half of the inheritance. And she's like, Lucy, listen, you know, Lucy's upset. You know, David is upset. And she literally had, like, I wrote the line down here. She says, the only way Dave Morris will marry my sister is over my dead body. And right. I'm like, you know, in a movie like this, you got to be careful of saying things like that because you might just get what you want. Well, doesn't he say a line, like, a little bit later on? Like, something you'd mentioned earlier. Like, you know, how, like, how do you, like, she says something like, 
how do you intend to do that or something or says something and he like goes something you'd mentioned earlier like about over my dead body like he didn't say that but you know right. that's what he's referring to oh yeah like, I, i'm not doing it any justice but it's, it was great writing it was a great line delivered by a master you know like it's something oh, yeah. you it, said earlier she's like, a good match for him oh There's yeah these these two know, are really good together between this movie and the house on haunted hill there was a theme going on here with price's characters of having a very rocky relationship with his on-screen wife right yeah and i i think that kind of carried over from house on haunted hill to this one but she is just gleeful just just so happy to be causing him emotional pain she's like you know, he's trying right. to talk to her about some serious shit. And she's like, nope, just smiles at him, fixes herself a drink. And just like, nope, I'm going to like, you know, I'm just going to go to bed now. And he's like, nope. Right. You're... Yeah, I think there's a yeah, line. It... like, you're a shrewd woman that loves messing with people's lives or something to that. Right. Effect. And he's and like, I'm like... going to make you a deal. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, she's like, going to make you, know, I want to make you a deal. Like, you're going to leave Dave and Lucy alone and you're going to give, uh, you're going to give, uh, Lucy, her half of the money, and she's just like, I don't remember what she says back, but like, you know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to do that. Like, and you can't make me. Well, yeah, when that he does pull a gun on her, and yeah, like, then yeah, like, then he pulls the gun right. on her, and then he basically like leads her to the laboratory, <laughs> like the autopsy room, the laboratory, his in-home lab or whatever. Uh, it's pretty cool because she's just kind of like, oh fuck. Like, you know, it's almost not so much scared, but almost like, okay, thinking her way, like, how's she going to work out of this, you know? And, uh, yeah, and he leads, she doesn't he, seem scared. She's more or no. less concerned, but not really scared. It's not like, what are you going to do? And she's not afraid. Put that gun away. It's almost like, she's really determined. Like, okay, like I need, I'm going to like, it's like a chess match. All right. Now what's my, yeah, she's just waiting to make her move. Right. Uh, how am I getting out of this with this idiot? So she he gets over to the uh, uh, gets her in the lab, and uh, he says it'll be easier to clean things up and rearrange things in here, right? Like, to make it look like, like a suicide because he goes, yeah, you'll be you know, and he talks to him, how are you going to do that? And he goes, well, it'll be real easy, you know, to 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 make it look like you're a suicide or something, and it's like, oh fuck! So then she does panic. She picks up the phone and she's like, oh, I'm going to call the police. And now she's scared. She's scared now. And that's like, you know, and so she's backed up against like a, a cabinet. And she's like, you know, and she's making her way to the door. Like she's going to just get to the door. And yeah, he make a run for it. Yeah, like she's like going to just get out the door real quick. And he just blasts her. And she falls to the floor. floor. And so now it's like, holy shit. Like he you just know, shot oh, her right in the torso. Well, he killed his wife. What's he going to do? Oh, my God. You know, now he's like, how's he going to get up? How's he going to make this look like a suicide, right? <laughs> yeah, because not many suicides so, shoot themselves in right. the belly. Right. <laughs> I, know, I, shot, I, shot, I shot myself in the belly from, you know, 15 feet away. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I got some real long arms. But fucking, <laughs> right, uh, right. And uh, so, but it's cool. He throws her up on the table. Like, it's like the x-ray table. He's got, like, this weird antique looking machine that was probably top notch back then and he's got this cone this metal thing over her and he's he's basically putting in the little slats for the x-rays and he does like three of them and he's he's taking the like he goes sets the camera up the x-ray blaster and then gets behind like the thing like they would do you know to protect themselves from the radiation shield or whatever yeah you know so he's looking through like a little window thing and then he does like he does they show they take enough time for him to do three 
Yep, he sets and, up because he has to replace the film for each one. Right. It, so it's he not does a really it. long scene, but it's very intricate of him going through each phase of taking three separate pictures. Yeah, like they, they go through it. They're like, okay, he's got to do this three times, you know. And then uh, he, he uh, what does he do? He moves the thing back. And then it's kind of weird because then now you know she's alive because he kind of sh- turns her back over her back and he shakes her. And then she wakes up and screams like, ah! You know, and then she's like looking at him like, she just can't fucking believe, you know, what the fuck? What, what are you doing? You know, she's not saying that, but it's like, and so he explains, yeah. is this where he explains what he shot her with a blank? Yeah, he's like, he says something to the effect. He's like, relax, my dear. He's like, you're not hurt. It was just, a, it was just a blank. And he's like, but thank you for helping with my experiment. You played your part. <laughs> right, right. And then there is something we missed earlier. Uh, Dave Morris, they he'd found a black cat in an alley. And oh uh, yes, and because he, after he wakes her up, the cat starts go- meowing, and he's like, "Hey, kitty, kitty, kitty!" Yeah, and so the cat's in a cage, and he brings up the cat, and that's when we actually see the cat for the first time. And, and this yeah. is where I have to say two two things: one, poor cat, because that cat was just going to be killed in an experiment. But two, I love the line he has. He's like. He's like found in a back back alley. He's like maybe perhaps you've met. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say that there was a cool line there about that where he's like, you know, perhaps you've met. You know, yeah. That, have that, you that, two that, met same that, alley? Maybe. Yeah. The same <laughs> alley. You know, it's like that beautiful voice of his. You know, it's like oh my god. It's so the funny. thing about Price. You know, whether he was playing, you know, a straight character, you know, or an evil character. You know, whether he was hamming it up or pl- playing it, you know, straight into the letter, he was always so elegant. There was n- no, never no. anything about him that was not precise and elegant. And I love that, that about best him. Best description of him right there. I mean, always just a class, top notch, top shelf. Everything yes, he did. Exactly. His top shelf, just his voice, just his cadence, his delivery. Yep. Everything. It was just so, man, like, oh, I'd kill to have that voice, man. I mean, me too, me they, too. But okay, so so basically she runs, I think, out of the room and you know, she doesn't like do anything other than she just runs the hell out of there. And then uh uh we I think we go to next day, don't we? We go to the next day and then Yeah, it's the next morning and he's he, uh, Dave, Dave pulls up to the house and they go on about a dog that he's got and he goes, No need for that. Or something, and then so he doesn't get the dog, and I don't think we ever see the dog. It was brought up. Yeah, it's brought up, but we never see the see or hear about the dog again. So, but this is interesting because this is where they get to what the X rays were. He brings Dave into the lab where the night before he, you know, pulled that thing on his wife, and then took those X rays. So he shows him these three X rays in reverse. You know, meaning he shows. Yeah, he shows him the yeah the last one first, and then the first one last, right? Right. And he's explaining to him what he's showing, and this is where he's you know we kind of see like like some sort of physical photograph of this thing that they're thinking is called the Tingler. Like, what is this? What what is this here? What is happening here? You know, like this metamorphosis in the spine. Yeah, it looks almost very much like a caterpillar, like an evil evil caterpillar. And it's interesting. It's weird. It's like, what? What the fuck is this? It's a great setup for this creature, because we don't know what. What are they going to do? What are they talking about? This thing and the spine, and it was a great setup to get those pictures for us to look at those X-rays. And then, and, and, and whatever they, wherever they got these photos, these X-rays, they look really cool, you know. And then it's cool because it's not just some X-rays they got. 
you know, there were actually of his wife. <laughs> you know, it's like after he know, play, played like the world's after worst. He made believe like he murdered her. You know, what I mean, it's like yeah, yeah, like, I had to pretend he was murdering her to play this prank on her to get. I mean, but you know what I mean? It, it, he, it's a guy willing to do whatever it takes to like whatever it takes reach his goal. And, <laughs> and who best than, than you know to do my experiments? You know, and it's like, you know, so I have to put up with this shit. So who better to pull this on than this, my bitch wife? <laughs> and so it's like, well, what's going well, on? I, mean, I love it because when, he, when he's, you know, before he, you know, fake shoots her, he tells her straight up. He's like, you're either going to give up all your money or give up uh, Lucy's half of the money or you're going to commit suicide. Right. He's like, how the hell are you going to get me to do that? And he's just like, kind of nods at the gun like, yeah. Like, right, right. You know. <laughs> you're going to shoot yourself. Oh, uh, uh, without saying it, it's, it's oh comical. It, this adds to the campiness of it all. Oh, oh yeah. There's a lot of camp in this, you know, and this and and, and uh, so and so they so basically there's all pretty much a, a bit of quite of a bit of going but back and forth about what they're trying to figure out what they've got here with these with these X-rays. Yeah, saying uh, a lot of big words that I don't quite <clears throat> understand. It's, it's a lot of science <laughs> stuff. Now they go but back. I, I to followed group. it enough to know where they were aiming at. They basically is that you know it paralyzes somebody with it takes somebody that's paralyzed with fear, grips onto the spinal cord, and before it can crush it or break it, if the person screams, it sort of it dissolves. neutralizes it. Yeah, right. neutralizes it, it or dissolves it until it disappears. So right. screaming it, is key. No problem. And, uh, sorry about that. You got a tingler in your throat. You better start screaming. <laughs> okay yeah much better much better <laughs> it's all gone yeah. so uh, anyway now they're back in that in the living room of that big beautiful couches and it's the next evening or that evening rather maybe the same evening and now it's nighttime and uh and we've got uh we've got lucy and dave having coffee and then uh we've got uh dr chapin walks in he's in his like lab coat so it looks like he'd been working and they're basically having coffee. He grabs himself a cup, and you know they're just kind of, kind of chewing the fat there a little bit. What are they talking about there again? What what, what was? Well, he's uh, talking about having. You know, he wants to do another experiment, but he wants to experience it himself. And he's just like, ah, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm too much of a of a realist. He's like, you know, to be afraid of anything, to be scared. He's like, I'd have to do something for real. And he literally says, I'd have to go out and either drown myself jump out of window get run over by a car and he throws out a few other things that he would have to have to do in order to scare himself that much right he's being very practical about it he's he's not doing it like on a whimsy he's just well you know and uh david's is like well we know that the the tingler exists and he's like well you know why do you have to do it yourself and he's like i want to personally get in a genuine fear position and in a controlled experiment you know in a controlled atmosphere right. so i can fi find out everything you know that, that we need to know about the tingler and he's like but um, he's like yeah nothing scares me and he's like and then uh it's kind of kind of cute because lucy's like boo and he's like oh yes ha 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 boo exactly yes like, yes yeah that, that was good that's a great line that, yeah and and, and uh, they so that scene kind of ends and then he he walks out. The doctor walks out, and he's going over to the lab, and and Lucy and Dave are kind of kind of talking, and and then so they get a little bit concerned, 
that he's I, I, I kind of saw the concern in David's face right off the bat because, like, he's suspected something. Because, well, uh, Warren, Vincent Price's character, says straight up, he's like, why don't you guys take the night off? He's like, oh, I'll, I'll come in and help you. And he's like, no, you guys go on go on a date, go see a movie. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm just take the night you. off. Right, right. Like, like, I don't need you. Take the night off. Like, he doesn't even want to, you know. Yeah, and Dave is kind of like, yeah. So you can see a little you bit don't of concern. Buy and, like, in Dave's face, kind of like, uh, okay. So like they, he, Yeah, he ain't buying it, not at all. Right, like yeah, I I know I know this deal. So it's it's so it's cool because they go he he goes in and he closes and locks the door, and they walk over. They leave that room uh, with a, the big couch, a living room area, whatever, and they go into the where that room is, his lab, and it's locked. And it's like he they never he never locks the door. And then yep. and then it's interesting. They got the curtains for the window up at the top that that are on the outside. That you can yep. that you can open up, which I thought was strange, and then uh, so they he well looked, they had to find a way to be able to peep in that that right no 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 I I got why they did it I just thought it was weird like why would you put the curtains on the outside I know exactly right. why they did it they had they had to have something for them to do but why like, was the house it. built with curtains on the outside right right exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so he's so it's pretty cool because he's looking in and Lucy can't she's a little shorter and she can't really see as much. So she's kind of, Dave's kind of giving her the play by play. And uh, so uh, Dr. Chapin's in there and he's got like with the old reel to reel tape recorder and he's setting up a, he's setting up the, the experiment. And he basically, what he's going to do is you can see when he gets the needle out, he's going to shoot himself, inject himself with not only the dose that's on the thing, but he gives himself like a hundred instead of 50 milligrams, whatever it is. It's a, he goes to a hundred. Yeah, he gives himself a double dose. A double dose dose was 50. He was going for straight up 100. Right, right. He's going, he's doubling it. And I was like, whoa, double, you know, LSD. Oh, boy, this is going to be something. Yeah, it's her her first trip, man. And like, like, take it easy. (laughs) Yeah, really, bro. Like, like, uh, 50 milligrams, dude. Fucking, you better have some friends around you can trust. Now, 100 milligrams, oh, you got some balls. You go on a trip down south, and you ain't ever coming back, sir. Yeah, yeah this is this ain't gonna be good. And uh, so he, so he, he, he does, it and it's it's great. It's just, it's just, it's fantastic because he's got, you know, he he takes the shot, and then he sits down, and then he's holding like the microphone. It's like it, it's almost like a little walkie-talkie thing, like like a CB kind of little thing. It's like a square thing with a cord yeah. that goes into it. And he's basically looking he's at giving the, us a play by play because he's play recording, recording everything. everything. Right. And like, you know, every it's like in real time, like what he's feeling at that moment. Of course, you know, the shit's hitting him hard. <laughs> it doesn't take so, long. Yeah, it didn't take long. Like like it wouldn't if you'd injected it in your fucking bloodstream. And so, you know, he's fucking, you know, now and so it's great. You know, he, he gets up and he's now he's starting to freak out. And it's like great, just great Vincent Price, man. Like the walls. The, the walls are closing in. It, it, I love the part when he the lock everything he locked the windows he closed the windows he closed the other door leading into the room at one point he opens the window and he's like i can't open the windows they went to it's locked and and it's like wide open it's wide open as he's opening it i thought that was great because i was like oh man he's tripping hard and so like and he thinks he's suffocating and he's trying doing his tie and like the walls you know, and then like he's just hamming it up look. the way only Vincent Price oh, could, and I mean that with the utmost respect. Because yeah, no, it's know. great. This is like I would have loved to have sat there. watch. can you imagine just sitting here watching them film this and him just okay, 
okay, Vincent, do your thing, you know, take whatever, you know, and then, do you what know, you take, do. Just let him do it. Yeah, right. Do what you do. And just let him just the alone in the lab doing that scene. God, I would have killed him been sitting there watching that. And so he's just walking around, man, you know, fucking just like doing the window and he bumps into the skull, the skeleton he's got, you know, the medical. Yeah, yes. That they all had. And so that's freaking him out because obviously, you know, it's a skull. It's a skeleton. Well, so you know, and the thing is, he's like, I mustn't scream. I mustn't scream. And he then like takes his I, hand and, and bites down on his. He's trying not to scream. And it's like this horrible look on his face. Like he's just like, ah. And finally he's biting and, and then he can't take it anymore. He releases his, his, his mouth on his hand and he just goes, ah. And he collapses on his, uh, on his medical table. Yeah, as, as, and as much as he tried not to, he really tried not to. He did end up screaming. Right. It just got to him, and he just, and, and, you know, even biting his own hand, you know, he's like, uh, so he so he, he lets out the scream, and he basically passes out onto the table. You know, I think this is when they start talking. He, he, he's come down at this point by the time, because right. it, it fades to like later on, and they've right, got a right. hold of him, and, and um, he starts talking. He's like, only, you know... He says something to the effect of, you know, you know, screaming releases it. So, you know, as long as you can scream, you're going to be all right. So the way that, you know, they're trying to figure out how do they get a hold of an actual physical manifestation of the tingler. And uh, that's when he says a deaf mute can't scream. And then it all comes into the play because, strangely enough, we were introduced to a deaf mute just a few days ago. Right, right. Oh, it just so happens we know a deaf mute without saying that. I think is that Dave that says that. It goes, well, Dave. Yeah, I think it is. Line about it. He said Dave Morris says the line about that. If we had a, you know, and he kind of looks like knowingly, kind of looks over at the doctor shape and like, you know, we did. Oh, if we had a deaf mute or something or. And so it's like, yeah, it's like the wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Lucy says something, everybody can scream. And it is David, yeah, because he nods and says, yeah, Death Mute can't scream. And that it it fades to the theater next. And it's just like, oh, yes, <laughs> just coincidentally. Right. Enough, <laughs> introduced to. Uh, Look at that. <laughs> we just happen to know one. And, uh, uh, yeah, so it goes into that. So now. Yeah, we're back at the theater. Yeah, uh, well, uh, Vincent is Warren shows up, and I think Ollie is outside the the box office talking with somebody. I can't remember who he's oh, talking with. He writes a prescription, doesn't he? Like get a hold of him, and he wants to. He wants. He calls Ollie, doesn't he? And doesn't no, he want to stop by and see her? Oh, he just shows up, and he wants to see her. He wants yeah, to. He like, said his... how he was concerned, you know, that over what happened the the day around the. Uh, the day before, you know, and he's right. like, oh, I just came to see her. It's like, well, you know, Doc, you know, it's really weird. She hasn't been the same ever since that incident. And he's like, well, I'll go up and see her. And he gives her, he gives her a shot. And then he prescribes some sort of sleeping pills. Or is it rather, he yeah, says, barbiturates. I'm going to prescribe you barbiturates. <laughs> and poor Martha. And, you know, she's such a, a straight up victim in this, victimized oh, by Ollie, victimized by Warren and whatnot. But it is kind of an odd thing when he wanders into this dark apartment 
and he's standing there kind of look, looking around for her, and his arms just starts coming around from behind the curtain. Yeah, right. <laughs> and she's that just was- like, oh, hey, you know, she's just kind of like, hmm, you're, you're here now. Oh, you know, but Holly told me to come up and see you, said you weren't right. feeling well. Right. Yeah, that was kind of weird. And uh, <laughs> the exchange, you want me to check you over? And I'm like, wow, hey. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I thought something there, too. She always had this weird look on her face, too. Like, it was almost like, I don't know, I got something like, if he would have leaned in to give her a kiss, she would have accepted. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. But it's like, it just seemed like, you know, she was kind of infatuated him a little bit. Like, she just looked kind of, you know what I mean? Like, she wasn't put off by him at all. Like No, was, no, you know, no, she wasn't. You know, like, <clears throat> I don't know. It was just kind of strange. But, uh, they, yeah, they go through all that, and he's he kind of looks at her and make sure that she can read his lips. And so he does that with the shot and relaxes her. And then he's going to tell her that he's going to prescribe her barbiturates. And so he, she finally lays down and he covers her up and he goes back outside. And then he, he goes in front of the box office and then he meets uh, Ollie again. And Ollie like, Hey, you want to go get a beer or something? And uh, he goes, Oh no, you know, I can't. And he, he writes him a prescription right there. Right. And so, you know, so Ollie knows to go get her these and make sure that she's taking these every so many hours and, you know, let her, she needs her sleep and blah, blah, blah. So uh, Ollie uh, takes off down the street to, to go get the go get the prescription. But and then he's and then you don't see what he does after, but he basically goes and gets her, you know, and he's, well, he's Ollie, out of the picture Ollie's always trying bit. to get the doctor to go have a beer with him because he's like, yeah, right. I need a beer to to deal with her the way she's been the last couple of days and but yeah the doc is never yeah. never keen on going to have we're back, with him. and we're back up into the apartment and here's where it gets kind of weird um she gets up she wakes up now i was a little confused about um the time frame here but she gets up and she's wandering around um in the apartment and lights like a light she's trying to flick a light on and it won't come on and, and like just all kinds of weird things are starting to happen to her yeah because like the the window closes on its own the, right the, the, the rocking chair is kind of rocking back and forth like a well the first you know, thing, it, we skipped over that part before she goes running out to check all that there's she looks up from her bed and there's like a there's like this really creepy looking dude Looks like a, some some zombie thing with a deformed face holding a machete, and he's yeah with walking. an eyeball kind of hanging yeah, out. Yeah. Crazy, man, it's really good. And well, he's like starts the sheet. It's Ollie's bed. They sleep right. in separate twin like single beds. And he's he starts walking, and she's kind of calmly walking through the house, and like she goes, and the light turns off, and then so she goes to turn it back on, and then there's another light, and it goes off. So now she's. You know, it's not dark, but it's obviously they're showing that the lights are going off and it's dark. She's trying to get through. Now this guy is there. She doesn't, her face doesn't really change. She's just kind of like, kind of like, yeah, yeah, I mean, her face, facial expressions doesn't really change, but her eyes sure do. Her eyes, Her yeah. eyes are about buzz like, right I, out of her skull. And then there's like a sliding door that opens up, like kind of a door. And then it's got somebody's like, like some sort of a monster arm that's holding a hatchet. And like kind of throws it at her, but not really too much at her. And it hits a desk. And it hit like sticks to the desk. And it's just kind of weird. And then it closes the door. And then another door opens. And then she's kind of running through the house, like going in and out of these doors. And then this is really weird. She goes into the bathroom. 
Yeah, my favorite sequence, well, yeah. one of my two favorite sequences of the movie. This is really cool because she looks into the sink. Now, it's a black and white movie, but the blood coming out is actually in color. And it, and so the blood is coming out of both spigots, uh, yeah. faucets going into the one sink, and it's blood red, and it's blood. And it's freaky. And, yep, and then the, even the bathtub is filled with, with well, what red, happens, red, red. Well, what happens, she tries to leave, the bathroom door is stuck, like it's locked now. She turns around, and now since now she's looking at the bathtub, and then now we get the reveal. The bathtub is completely filled with blood, like filled to the top. Like, not top, but you know what I mean? It's like filled, you know. Yep. Like, filled like about as much as you could fill it. Right. And then it's blood red in against this black and white, and then his hand comes up out of the blood. And, of course, it's soaked in blood. And it's just moving, it's wiggling its fingers. Like, this is fucking pretty creepy shit. And Especially so, for 1959. Yeah. So she's standing there kind of looking at it and reacting. And she's like moving odd. And then she's like feeling her back. She's wearing a robe. And so we're getting the thing. Oh, the tingler. Like, yep. is yeah, because one hand's going to her back. It, that's uh, She's clutching. One hand's clutching her chest like she's about right. to have a heart attack. And the other hand's clutching her back. And this back. is the, par- now, the part that I love is when the medicine cabinet door Yes. Swings open and it's her de- death certificate. Like it this literally has is... got her name on it, cause of death, I, right? I wrote down what it said. It says death certificate, name Martha Etherson Higgins, age 46, date of birth September 4th, 1913, place of birth Red Bank, New Jersey, cause of death, and then big letters, fright. Yeah, I was. <laughs> That's like. Oh my God, that is so cool! So she's reading that because like like the thing just opened up, and she's reaching for it like eh, like what is that? She's holding onto her back too, and she goes and she's like she puts her hand on the death certificate like what is you know almost like she's like she's touching it to see if it's real, and she's reading it. And of course, her lips are quivering and she's like she's hyperventilating, and of course she's and then she passes out. She like hits her eyes close. She's still clutching her back. And then she hits the floor, and she's on. She's on this linoleum floor, um, you know, in this robe. And then it goes back down. I think it's still nighttime, right? It goes back to, uh, yeah, it's nighttime. Yeah, it's nighttime, uh, and uh, Warren's uh, shown back up. At he's house. back at home now, right? He's back at home, and he comes in. He's got his bag with him and his hat, and he sets the bag down, the hat down. He walks in, and I think uh, that as soon as he walks in, though, ringing. like the phone starts. Yeah, the phone right. starts ringing. Right, the phone's ringing, and uh, so he answers the phone, and then there's nobody there, and then he sees two glasses sitting on the thing, and they both have, like, booze in them, so he knows, like, oh, okay, her gentleman visitor has been here or something, you know, he looks at them and goes, oh, drinking, double-fisted drinking, are you, or something, you know. I love the line <laughs> he has, he's like, why does the back door slam every time I come in the front door? <laughs> it's a great he knows he knows he, ain't right, he knows yeah right exactly and then oh this is good he sets him down oh and then he sees uh that's a god of gold he goes oh, that's funny I, I don't like gold tie pins or something like that yeah yeah she and then she's got this like the she's smiling like the cheshire cat you know she's just like thinks it's funny You're like oh well you know like and then she's just kind of grinning and she thinks this is funnier and shit. You th- get the idea that both of them love, you know, not not 
love uh, messing with each other, but they love this game of cat and mouse. Yeah, it's a cat and mouse, totally. Like she's like she's got him now. Like you did yep. that to me the other night, last night, and I got you, you fuck. Right. So anyway, uh, so the somebody at the door, she goes over and it's Ollie. And then he tells her, oh, you know, Martha's dead. You know, she died. I think she's dead. So like, they go racing out the door. The next thing you know, we're back in, we're back in the lab. We're back at the house. And they bring Martha in. And, and Martha's in her robe and, and stuff like that. So he's there with Ollie. And they just kind of bring her layer down on that, on that bed. That exam- That's where I made the note of something Patty had said, and it made sense to me. She's like, oh, the good old Wild West days of medicine, you know, when you could just go to a house, pick up a body, drive it in your car back to your right. home lab. Right. You know? right, exactly, for examination without, you know, all this other, you know, calling a coroner and like not touching the body. Like, yeah, oh, just bring the body, you know. And then it even gets weirder because, well, uh, like later on, while when I was playing, when he decides to take the body home, <laughs> he just like you know. But we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, that that's the part but, I was but, just like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, but, when, like, when the corpse sits up, like the corpse of Martha sits up, and they're just kind of like, oh, that's normal. She's like, oh, look, she's alive. She moved, and he's like, oh, that's like normal. That's you know, n- nothing happened. Right. It's just the body's reflexes. But then he's like, well, you know, make sure you call the police. Or call the coroner or the funeral home, you know, first thing in the morning. He's like, can I take her home, Doc? And it's just like, you, you know, how like, would you explain that? But even back in the day, even where like, it's more common. Oh, I took it over to my doctor, and now I took uh, to this guy I know who's a who's a who's a pathologist, and then I just took her home. You know, it's like it's just like such a weird scene. You know, like what, like you like, would you want to just take your wife, just pick her up and carry her home? You know, like it just like. Yeah, just go what? Go back and take her, set her in your bedroom, and then go back to sleep and call the call the coroner in the morning. You know, like you know, you know what I mean? like what, what? Like who would do that? It was very strange. But yeah, anyway, it's, it's a weird exchange. Very weird yeah. Exchange. It's, it, <laughs> but this is a the, this is a pretty cool scene because this is pretty wicked. Where um, he decides, you know, after her, she sits up and then sits back down, and then he does pronounce her dead. This is when he. He basically asks if it's okay. I don't know. If, does he ask him if it's okay if he kind of gets in there? Because he wants to see what's going on in there. And so he he basically just takes off his coat and rolls yeah, up he, his he puts on his Yeah, he puts on his his, his apron and he gets his gloves on. Because he, he says something to him. And he's like, I'm pretty sure she died of fright. And he's like, right, may, so. he's like may I check? He's like, just sit over there. And he kind right. of like separates them with a curtain and everything. And Yeah, this is pretty cool setup to, to reveal this thing. Because when they set that curtain up, uh, and then it's kind of like, well, what's he doing? God, you know. And then they show his wife; she's outside the door listening. Like, what the fuck's going on in there? And uh, it's interesting. It's cool because you can see it in the shadow of him working on her. And then it's pretty cool because this is the first time we actually see the tingler, and it's fucking creepy. Because when he pulls it out, isn't this where he pulls the tingler out of her? Yeah, it's all sh- yeah, thrown in the curtain and silhouette. In the it's curtain like, and silhouette. And you, you see, see the pinchers and the feet yeah, and everything. Like, yeah, and it's dripping. What the fuck? It's so creepy. Because you see the pincers first and he's pulling this thing out. And, they, and they, they're and they kind of cutting back and forth between the wife listening outside the door and Ollie kind of sitting there. And they see this... Uh, you see the you see the thing in silhouette, and it's it's that's I mean I can imagine back then like people were probably freaking out. There probably had to be somebody in that 
you know, fucking screaming in that theater. You know, that's oh, probably yeah, when there was probably pro- somebody that passed out and right. <laughs> had I to mean, be checked on for real. Because it is pretty creepy looking. I mean, when they pull it out and those little feet on it, and it's like, what the fuck is this? And this was connect. This was on her spine. You know, like yeah, it's as big as somebody's spine. Right, that's huge. I mean, it's like you know, like the length of her back. You yeah, know? because when he pulls it out, and then he, when he comes from around behind the curtain, you can finally see it for real, and right. not just in silhouette. The tingler, like when it latches on to Vincent Price's arm, is like you can see the instant agony on his face. Yeah, it gets you know, him good. pinching him. It basically grabs onto his entire forearm. And it's like, you know, it's got him good, you know, and he's like, ah, you know, he can't get it off of him. Yeah, until he and, screams, and then it... Right, and then he screams, right. And then and he screams, it and, helpless. Then, and then and then it, yeah, and then it lets loose. And he he orders Ollie to get this, like, hey, get that, it's like a glass, like, container, like a terrarium, like an empty aquarium. Right, and right. And so, uh, so when it's grabbing on his arm and he's screaming, Ollie drops the thing, and then... He screams, uh, the doctor screams, and then this creature falls onto the floor, and then the wife comes barging in, and they're like, you know, now it's like, what is that? You know, and they're looking at this thing, and it's just kind of there. So Dr. Chapin gets like a big, looks like a big, like a storage case. Yeah, it's like a big box, you know, like a cat carrier or a dog carrier right. or something like that. You, I was going to say, in between gonna... those those shots... Uh, once the Isabel comes in, when the wife comes in, she's while they're you know transfixed with the 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 tingler, she goes over to the the counter and takes a little vial of something. You right. know, we don't know quite know what it is, and she takes puts it in her pocket, and then right. it cuts back and forth where Warren and Ollie are talking about what to do. You know, and he's basically saying he's like, well, you know, hey Doc, I was like, I'd rather take her myself. And I was like, you know, oh, can you manage? Can you, 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 can you carry yourself? You know, like I can't imagine carrying a uh, right. hundred and some pounds of dead weight with carrying your very carrying your dead wife out of the car. You know, it's like, no, it's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as they're cutting back and forth though, and Ollie is taking uh, Martha back to the house. Isabel is taking that little vial of whatever the hell it was that she took, and she's putting it into a drink, and she's like, oh. You know, is everything all right, dear? Is your arm all right? Can I do anything for you? She's trying to be so sweet to him when the whole movie right. she's been nothing but mean. Let's celebrate you and I together, so, you know, you finding the tingler. Right. So what they're back, basically they're back in the living room on that famous couch. And he's sitting back and she goes to give him the drink and he wants the other one. He goes, I'll take the other glass or something. And she's like, why? You don't trust me or something. I don't know. They go, they have a little back and forth. And then, it's almost so a very she, James Bondish kind of right. Moment. Like and she was smart enough to switch it to where she was going to hand him the good drink first, you know. And he, so he basically gets the bad one, you know. She played him for the she she won that tit for yes, tat on. She won she that. Won. I won this round, Mister Bond. Right, exactly. So he he he, unbeknownst to him, he grabbed the the drink with the stuff in it. So he so he 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 drinks it and he's sitting there. And then, uh, and he, he's, he's, he's kind of getting a little, you know, they're not playing it too quick, but like the phone rings, she gives him the phone and then who is it? Who is she talking? Who's he talking to again? Oh, it's, uh, it's Ollie. Yeah. He's back home, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he tells him, he's like, yeah, I got her back home. Everything's okay. I'm going to, I think he said something like, yeah, I'm going to call the funeral home in the morning. And he's like, I've already called the, the, the police, you know, and he's like, the arrangements have been made. 
but right. Warren and it, isn't quite with it. He's starting to fade. Yeah, you see his face, you know, and you see uh, Dr. Warren, Dr. Chapin, man, he's just all of a sudden you could just, you know, his eyes starting to cross and like he just, he's basically blacking out. So, so he drops the phone and, you know, and Ollie's kind of like looking at his phone like, oh, what is this? You know? So, so now uh, we, we know that uh, uh, Warren's passed out on the couch. Then they reveal some stuff. Now they go, they cut back to Ollie's house and, she, and uh, Martha's on the bed with the cover over her, her body. And we see, we see Ollie. Now here's the big reveal of what was going on. He's holding the mask in his hand of that guy. That was that weird zombie looking guy with the machete and he's grabbing stuff and he's putting it like in a suitcase. So like, we know now that Ollie has been on in on something and something's like really weird going on. And then, then it cuts kind of cuts the black and it goes back to sometime like a little bit later. Uh, Warren is, was laying on his couch. He's passed out and she's got like a pillow under his neck and got him laying back. In a, and she's got him set up on the couch where he's just kind of like, like just kind of laying there and he's, you know, kind of out, you know, sleeping. Yep. She, she brings a knockout she, potion. Right. The knockout, whatever it is, he's out. So she brings in that case carrying the actual tingler in it and she opens it and uh basically opens it and runs and just <laughs> lets the fucking tingler get out so now the tingler we see the tingler kind of moving around in there like a big lobster tail and it moves yeah, a little so, it, hey so it starts moving toward him this is pretty cool because it's like it goes across like this little shaggy carpet throw rug and he's kind of going across that and he's making his way to the couch. It's a pretty creepy scene. You know, it's like, oh my God, this thing's going to get up on him. And it makes its way up on the couch and then it makes its way up into his chest. Like it goes up his arm and then on him. So now the, the fucker's on him. And those big pincers that he's got, he basically puts those around each side of his neck, around Dr. Warren's, Warren Chapin's neck. And so it starts strangling him. So now he's like, Bleh. You know, he, like he's still out because he's got the knockout potion. Yeah. But now he's being choked to death. Just at that moment, Lucy comes home and she's in a you know like a big overcoat and her little pocketbook and she goes to goes up the stairs. She hears a noise. She starts this to is walk the point away. Where I laughed a little bit because it wasn't very clear. Like, uh, I mean, it, 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 at least the first time I watched it, she looks towards the camera. And then it cuts to, you know, Warren on the couch with the tingler choking him and crushing his throat. Right. And it, you get the idea for a moment that she sees it, but, you know, she's not because it's another room over, but she just hears. The, but it's just right. like she looks and just kind of like shrugs her shoulders like, mm, nah, no big deal. And goes right, like, right. walking away. It's like, wait a minute. No, but there's like a three foot like rock lobster centipede with big pinchers choking <laughs> brother-in-law's <laughs> death. Like, it's just the way that it's shot. It, it seemed a little janky because it's like, oh, she looked right at him. No, there's like another room. I think, Stuff yeah, I, 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 right. I just thought it was still weird, though, that she heard the noise of a choking. And then even <laughs> right. if she didn't see the thing, and it was still going to ignore it and go upstairs until she heard it again. Like, so, oh, it's probably just a uh, Warren choking my, my asshole sister out. I'm like, eh, right, yeah, yeah. Let Somebody's him do what he's got to do. <laughs> right, right. He's got to, uh, hopefully, we knew this was coming. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, it's she's, she's, yeah, it is. So she runs in and screams and, and the screaming is what makes the tingler fall off of him and she saves his life. And then it so kind of saves just, his life merely by screaming, right? By screaming. And it just renders it weak. 
it falls off and then it kind of just cuts to the next i don't know if it's the next day i think but they're i would imagine so because that was nighttime back, and then it's morning so yeah i think it's the next day they're back in the in the lab in the home lab there and uh i must i think it's the yeah, it's the end of the day because uh dave morris and and, and dr chapin are both in their lab coats and they're and i forget what they're talking about they're talking about the tingler of course but well the uh, um David is telling me, aren't you going to take it to the convention or are you going to write about it in the, the Daily Journal? And he's like, no, nope. right. he's like, nobody's ever going to see this. We're right, never right. Gonna, we're, nobody's ever going to know about it. We're going to keep it a secret. And David's trying to pressure him. And he's like, no, but we we need to, you know, it's yeah, like, we this need is, to show this. Right. Yeah. He's like, nope, we 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 fucked up. We messed around with, you know what I mean? I, I know we went through all this work, but we broke the laws of nature. And that's, you know. And I think he says we violated some basic principles, but we had to do what we had to do. But now it's got to stop. Right. So um, they've got, I think the Tingler is back in the case, isn't he, or something? And, yep. Yep. And yeah, then, he's back in the case. And he takes the Tingler. Doesn't he leave with the Tingler? Like he takes, <laughs> he, he takes, he leaves, he's got the case with him. And he walks out the door and he's standing there with, and Dave and Lucy are standing there. And he, he walks out the door. And now we cut back to Ollie, and Ollie's like, you know, getting ready to leave, right? He's like, <clears throat> he's got an old suitcase. He's throwing in the well, money. Well, we missed one part because Lucy comes in and says Isabel had left. And he's like, oh, well, she's always gone. He's like, no, like, literally, like, she left. She took her stuff with her. She took oh, clothes right. and yeah. her stuff You're with right. her. And right. that's when he has, when Warren has... Um, David to call and make sure that, you know, everything had been taken care of with Martha. And he, David says like, yeah, they have no record of it. The police don't know anything. The coroner's office don't know anything. So, you know, Warren knows something's up with Ollie. Right. And that's when he decides to go over there and pay him a visit. Yeah. With and, then, the and, then, and then when he comes in, he's, yeah, he, that's, he does have the tingler in his hand. He sets the tingler down and then he sees that he sees Ollie's leaving. And then he opens up a suitcase. Uh, Doc uh, Vincent Price, Doctor Chapin does. He opens up and he can see the mask and all the other stuff. And he's all like, basically, and it's ah, filled with well, all the money from the safe. Right. Yep. So it's like, yeah, I. You know, so, so the jig's up. He's got. Yeah, it's it. like I know what you did, Ollie. Right. Right. Okay. This is now. You know that I to, know that you know that I know. Right. And you're <laughs> gonna have to turn yourself in. So he goes back to the bedroom and poor Martha, like still laying there, he covers her up. Uh, puts the sheet like over her head all the way and just kind of that and they're now they're going back and forth and and uh so basically dr uh warren chapin is he's basically telling him hey you know you gotta you gotta turn yourself in you know this is we broke the law and and uh and then and then all he's kind of like well gee you know i didn't really you know we both kind of been through a lot he's kind of you know worming his way out of it and then they cut over to the case and the tingler is breaking through like the little metal thing that's holding it together. He, and he kind of makes it, it's kind of just pops open and kind of keeps opening. So the, yep. you know, whatever the, however they rigged it. And so it just kind of comes out, you know, so now that now the tingler is loose in the apartment and, and, <clears throat> and Dr. Chapin, poor comes, Martha, again, I guess I, I know I've said poor Martha about four or five times, but it's just like, you know, Ollie just was leaving her half covered on in her bed and he was just gonna like run out of He's town. He's gonna leave, leave her. her there. Right. And he tries to protest to uh to Dr. Chapin. 
And he's just like, you don't know what it was like living with her. If I hadn't, uh, you know, killed her, she would have definitely killed me because she tried many times. And, I, you know, I don't buy. I wasn't Ollie's buying story. any of that. I didn't I buy Ollie's story one iota. I wasn't buying that one bit. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what you'd say, you little yeah, worm. The worst thing that Martha had done in her life, it seemed to me, at least, you know, from the movie standpoint, was she was a little bit OCD. That was right. like the worst thing about her. I don't think yeah. her character. I don't think she was trying to kill anybody. I think you were. No. Nope. You know, he you wanted. You he were... wanted that that safe full of money, and he right. saw a perfect way to get away with it. Right. Exactly. But this is great. How what how what happens here? Because when they go out and they find out that the tingler had gotten out of the box, they're like looking around, and then there's like a little floorboard, little piece of wood that's like kind of like pushed in. He's like, what is that? And he goes, ah, oh, it's always broke. I was, I was, I was always like, I was going to fix that. They're like going. So then they realize the tingler is now. In the, <laughs> it, it, right. So now they know. Where does that lead down to? Ah, oh, into the theater. So now we know, oh, my God, the thing, the tingler is in the theater. So now they, they must go. must warn so the like, audience, but don't oh start Oh, my God, panic. this is so great. This is the best setup. I love this. So now they're showing the audience, and they're showing, like, a younger, like, it would be the punk teenagers. You know, like in there, and he's like trying to put his arm around this girl and give her the kiss, and she's like throwing his arm off, and he keeps like, you know, and he's like, you know, and, and then like other people like eating popcorn and watching, and they're showing a silent movie, and it's like something where a killer's coming in and some guy's got a gun, and I forget what's what's really going on. They're just kind of, it's just you know, like some sort of a dramatic scene where somebody's beating up some littler guy and he's got a gun and he's got a bag. And he's getting out. Uh, I yeah, think it's, I mean, and I think the film a, they're showing is a, is pretty action packed. You know, to be yeah, honest, there's a lot going on. Like the guy's trying to get out the door, and the big, creepy guys like coming at him. You know, like and he's you know, so it, it looks it I looks pretty good out, actually. The name of the film it was a 1921 film called Tolerable David. Ah, yes, name name of it. I don't know anything I about that was it. The one they the kept movie. showing they kept showing that on the marquee. Yes, which just which is you know, and then it turns out, yeah, that's the movie they're watching. Now, that was a real. Was that a real movie? Did you look that up? Yeah, there's a real that, movie called Tolerable David. Okay, it was a real cool. legit film. Uh, it was in, from 1921. I was looking at that. I go, well, I wonder if they're they got to be just using like real footage of like an old movie. I figured that. But I'm sure there's some movie that they own they own the rights to that they had right, in the film right, vaults, right, so to speak. Right. So anyway, they're they're kind of showing clips of this, <clears throat> and these two guys are fighting. And they're showing the people like, you know, just enjoying the movie and, you know, and, the, and all that stuff. And they're going back now. you But this is cool because now you've got uh, you've got Vincent Price and uh, you've got Dr. Chapin and uh, Ollie. They're going through the theater like, OK, you know, how are they going to warn people? You know, they got going in there. And then I'll let you explain the cool part, what they do, which, you know, in the theater when they're doing this, they're probably doing that little buzzer thing. You know, they, they show the, the tingler on the floor. Yeah, kind of scurrying around. One lady that was it's like, not very mobile. You know, the the effect is is I gotta admit it's a little bit hokey, but the movie is a tad bit hokey, so it it, it works well. It it does really work well. And it's great because right at that moment where you see the tingler come up on her leg and she screams and it kind of falls off. Vincent Price finds a like a like a lever and he turns the lights off and then it just goes blank on the screen for everybody. Yeah, and the whole he, screen and goes says, blank. And then he says, basically, I'll let you say this part. 
Yeah, something about you know, a long, young lady is uh, fainted. She'll, don't worry, she'll be attended by the doctor. So just remain seated, and the, the music will, the movie will play again. And the, there's no cause for alarm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I know I'm right. not, I didn't write down the whole speech. But uh, apparently, a bit of the trivia uh, for different versions of the film, they made two different versions of this that had Vincent Price saying the dialogue and one with William Castle saying the dialogue. And I think the one for the William Castle one was meant for drive-ins, if I remember correctly. Ah, okay. The one for the, uh, for the regular theaters in the home video market, you know, later on was Vincent Price's because they alternated because William Castle did that a lot with different versions of the movie, you know, like how, how like, well, like he had one called Mr. Sardonicus, where he had a different ending figured out for, you know, the two different versions of the movie where he would, would you know, ask the theater goers, like, what happens here is now up to you. We'll take it to a vote. And he had different versions. So, yeah, there were two different versions of it, but the, the dialogue, the narration was essentially the same. Oh, that's wicked. Well, they, well after they do that, it's pretty cool because they show, they show the, the Tingler making his way into the projection booth. And then the projection... He interrupts the, he fucks the film up, and you see going across the entire screen, the screen goes white because the film burns up, and then they see, you see like the black silhouette of like the tingler going across the screen, and then it goes yes. black again, and then and then and then Vincent Price goes back in and says something else, you know, warning people, and then like you know, I, I can imagine like people in the theater like when they were showing this movie going ah like what's going on you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because he says the same thing uh, pretty much, much. He's like, don't panic. But he's like, the tingler's loose in the theater. And he's like, you know, if you must, scream. Scream for your lives. Your lives depend on it, you know. Right, right. Please scream. So you could tell him everybody was probably going, ah, yeah, screaming. And then yeah, they finally. That's the part I love. I, I, I'm a big fan. I've said this on the previous shows i'm a big fan of movies with, that happen in a movie theater and have like the movie within a movie kind of aspect to it so this right. whole sequence is bar none my favorite sequence of the movie oh oh totally and what's cool they finally and then when they cut back to it the tingler has got the projectionist by the neck the pincers and, and then the projectionist screams and then the so then the the tingler falls off and then uh dr chapin picks up a, like a old movie canister uh, reel-to-reel canister, and they throw the foot where it had film in it, and he throws the tingler inside that, and then seals that, and then he walks outside. And yeah, so I like he, the fact he, that he puts it away. That he, uh, you know, he puts it away in a film canister. <laughs> right. Make it yeah, away. like it's inside a film canister. I could so you know. through that box pretty easy, but those right. film canisters were pretty heavy duty. That's I would pretty heavy duty metal, and it's sealed. He's got that thing latched, so he pulls it back, and now he's back into the bedroom back with Ollie and now the tingler and that thing. And he takes off his jacket, Dr. Chapin and there he's, I don't know what he's going. Oh, Oh, this is where, yeah, that's right. He's going to put the tingler. We forgot to mention this. He, his job, he wants to put the tingler back inside her body because, because without the host living, uh, this the tingler will die. It'll it, because it won't. Yeah, something like so. They this is the, because the tingler. They're not going to be able. To, they've they've come to the conclusion that the tingler is unkillable. So they'll have to. They right. put it back in her, so the thing will die inside her body. And uh, so that's what he's doing. So he's basically in their bedroom, you know, with poor you know Margaret laying there, 
and he's going to open her up and put the tingler back inside the body. And that's what yeah. he does. He puts inside, he's got the rubber gloves on, takes the gloves off, and basically he's done. And he basically tells Ollie, like, look, you're going to jail. You know, I'm going to, we're going to, you know, like, <laughs> uh, well, Ollie, he just asked Ollie at one point, just like, give me the tingler and I'll put, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on her. And he just opens it up and looks at it. And he's like, come on, get with it, you know? Right. So basically, at Ollie, at one point, he kind of looks or he realizes like he's not really going to get, you know, get away with it. So he actually pulls a pistol out of a drawer and points it at uh, Dr. Chapin. And he just kind of laughs like, look, I'm just going to walk out of here and call the cops. You know, like he's not you know, scared one iota he's when not he pulls one, that gun on him. He didn't even flinch. His face doesn't even change. He was like halfway through putting on his jacket. He just shrugged right. the jacket on. He's, He's like, listen, putting his on his jacket and buttoning his jacket, getting his uh, doctor case, and he walks out. Now he's he's out, and now he's uh, out of the picture. Ollie, at this point, the, right? He's he's gone. Um, then Ollie puts the gun in his coat. He goes to walk out. Then the door slams shut, and then you look back, and the window closes, and now it's on. It's like, oh my god, what's happening? Now you see. This is the cool part, man. Uh, 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 Martha's body, uh, she uh, she basically lifts up and the sheet's on her. She's dead, but now the sheet falls. And then in her dead corpse state, she just kind of gets up and looks at him with these dead eyes. So creepy. Like, so creepy. She's just standing there. And then they go up on his face. He's like, <laughs> you know, he's like all freaked out. He's trying to scream, but he's frozen almost like her. He can't scream. Like his face is just all contorted. Like, yeah, he can't scream. He can't scream. And then it goes back and zoom in on her eyes, and it goes back in his face, and then it cuts the black. And then it goes, you know, it just goes to the end, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. It's over. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an abrupt ending, but I, I love the ending, like, because it, I kind of took it as the Tingler had taken over Martha and right. has now turned her into a killing machine. You know, yeah, like, God, yeah, it's such a good movie. But yeah, I do have a bit of um, a bit of tri trivia about some of this movie, some of what they did in the movie with about the, the color sequence that they spliced into the film. Uh, they had set up the set and set everything up in black and white. They had filmed this the sequence in color. The scene was accomplished by painting the set whites, blacks, and grays, and applying gray makeup to the actress to simulate the monochrome uh, ver version of black and white film, and just filmed that sequence in color because color was so expensive back then. They did it just for that one sequence. Wow! And the, to enhance this, the ending, uh, William Castle at some of the premieres and some of the screenings of it hired fake screamers. And fainters and people playing dead. There was fake nurses stationed oh. out, outside oh. and an ambulance outside of some of the theaters. And the fainters would be carried out on gurneys and whisked away in an ambulance and then just returned for the next showing. So That's that so was good. That is so cool. But I think they I said that the, the tingler effect, uh, they would put the buzzers underneath certain seats to, to buzz right. and kind of give a little bit of a shock to the, uh, the theater goers. Added an extra two hundred thousand dollars to the budget, which oh for God. back then was like, oh, that's got to be, oh, yeah. two hundred thousand yeah. back then. My God, 
That was massive. So it was the cost of the equipment added $250,000. It was used predominantly in larger theaters, and the prologue claimed that some people might not be susceptible to the tingling, so take account that not all the seats would be wired for the tingle. But yeah. Well, just imagine that's a good way to do it. Like you're not being tingled and the guy next to you is not being tingled, but somebody over a couple of rows over, they're being tingled. They've obviously yeah. start freaking out. So you're not, yeah, all it might not be out. you it's or like, the person next to you. Right. Be the person now you're behind you. over like, like what, like what, what's wrong with them? And then the other person in front of you and they got tingled. So now they're going, ah, you know that, Oh my God, that must've been brilliant. I wish that, can you imagine? I'd love to see footage of that. If somebody would have filmed that. Oh yeah, I, I wish they oh, would have. If they have, I'm been. sure the footage has been long lost. But I would have. Oh my god, can you imagine seeing people's reaction? I love that. Oh god, that's so good. Just this, all that extra stuff I got from the, the, all that stuff. That's what's so great about movies like this and what those guys, those old timers used to do. Those old school guys. Those old school guys. You know, so there's like I said, we said earlier. It's like that the, the carnival barker. You know the you know the selling the the you know the the, the snake know, the oil freak, salesman the snake oil the freak the freak show you know this whole this horrible things are going to happen just step right this way you know you know like and then you just had to pay your 50 cents to go see it you're like oh god i gotta see this yeah you had to go you pay know? your your two bits to go see the three right. three hundred right months. exactly these these awful uh you know things and you know and you just you know like you couldn't dare leave and not go look you know right. fucking uh, i'd have been fucking, there for it Right. Oh my God. That's so cool, man. God, what a great movie. What great a great movie. time. Great that, man, oh, I would have been. Even so, without, without the gimmick, it's still a great movie to watch on home video, you know? Oh, totally. And for folks at home that don't that don't own this, uh, you can buy it very cheap on DVD. There's a special edition Blu-ray. There's a double feature Blu-ray as well. Uh, right. But you can find it on Tubi. It's on Pluto yeah. TV. It's on uh Amazon, it's it's just about everywhere. It's, uh, it's even on the uh, the Roku channel for free. You can, like I said, find it just about anywhere to watch it. If you don't, you know, don't want to pay for a service to watch it, get Pluto TV or Tubi TV. You can watch it for right. nothing for the mere download, for free, and just yeah. and just yeah. And you're gonna see. I'm telling you, you this is this is one of those movies. You really got to see this movie. I mean, yeah, if you're you have into to. Any it was this, so if you're into any of this time. stuff. Especially, especially with Vincent Price, this is one of those movies you just have to see. You really do. If you haven't seen it, I'm telling you, we're, we're you, you'd have to. You'll you'll yeah. thank us later. You know, yes, yes, you if will. you claim to be a fan of Vincent Price and you haven't seen the Tingler, are you really a fan of Vincent Price? You have to see this movie. It's a, <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean. It's it's just, it's 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 just a classic, classic old school horror movies. Um, and it's, and it's great. It's campy in some spots. It's kind of like, you know, some stuff's kind of like, you know, like, it's like, what? But that was the, <laughs> the part of the William Castle but charm. But that's cool. That's what you like about it. You know, like we say this all the time. It's like, but that's great. Right. You know, exactly. you're saying, you know, it's like, you just, that's what makes it more, more fun. Exactly. You know? and, and, and it's like, and, and it's great. So that, yeah, I, you can't, well, I'm gonna you know, say I, that, I, I can't. I can't say it enough. You, you gotta. You just. You need to see this. You I really got an to. idea where you're coming in on this one. I'm gonna make a prediction here. Here <laughs> in my head, where you're coming in. It was probably about the same as as mine. Oh yes. But go ahead and give us uh, your rating on a scale from one to ten. Is without without a doubt, one hundred percent. Vincent Price in the Tingler. Ten. 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 All the way, brother. 
Yes, uh, that, that exactly. Is, that, I mean, that is that that is a five star, you know, classic horror movie with a with a just an absolute legendary actor, Vincent Price. What a great, what a great voice. What a great everything, man. He was you watch Vincent Price, you just can't keep your eyes off him. He's beautiful. He's just so awesome to watch. Yeah, he's and, you know, and, for a man and, who who was a purveyor of fine arts and fine cooking and fine dining and everything, he was a work of art himself. Yeah, he's he, just yeah, a pleasure absolutely. to watch, a pleasure to listen to. Well said, well said. And yeah. it's a man that at least as far as my experience, I can't say for everything that he's done because I haven't seen everything. Right. I mean, let's face it, Vincent Price was in what probably two hundred different a lot films. <laughs> Actually, 210 credits in a from his last credit was in 1993, and his first credit was 1938. So for a career that lasted almost 60 years, he did 200 credits, and that's uh, pretty goddamn good. That's per that's that's a hell of a run. That's a hell of a run. And like I was saying, in everything that I've seen him in, I bet you I've probably seen half of what he's been in. The man never phoned it in. Never phoned it in. Never. Never. He was a working actor, but he took everything seriously. And I, even the, you know, the campiness of it, he took the campiness seriously as well. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm matching your 10. I, I can't say anything else that you haven't already said that the, the tingler is an amazing film. It's highly underrated. I think a lot of people find it to be a little hokey from, you know, from my experience, you know what I mean? And talking to people about it, they seem to prefer other movies he's done. But I mean, when he'd worked with William Castle, he only worked with him a couple of times, but it just seemed like a, a marriage made in heaven and hell. I agree <laughs> you know, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I dare say this, you will not hear me say this often. It's a movie that I think would benefit from a modern day campy remake. You know that they they remade you know Thirteen Ghosts. They remade House on Haunted Hill. Right. I would love to see a modern remake of The Tingler. You know, but to, to say who could replace Vincent Price, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's I, tough. I really, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, Jeffrey Rush did a good job of uh, playing you know uh, Vincent Price's role in House on Haunted Hills. So maybe Jeffrey Rush would be a good. Good choice. I don't. I don't know. It's, it's a totally different kind of role, but yeah, I'm just putting it out there in the ether. Anybody wants to hire me uh, to remake the Tingler? <laughs> I, I will accept the job. You're, and you're the you're the guy. A multi-dollar budget, you know. So if Lions yeah. Gate or anybody wants it, I'll, I'll happily do it. Cameron the, Scott. Get, Cameron Scott here. Get, get a hold of him. He'll yes, do it. Yes. You know, maybe you know if I did it, I would hire you to play Vincent Price. I would hire you. You know to play what? I would be honored. Chase. I don't. I don't know if I'm worthy of it, but uh, just you saying that, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll take that, sir. That, that I'll take that. Uh, you know, they say you. don't put things like that out into the ether because then they're happen. They'll happen. Right. <laughs> ether. I want to remake the Tingler star. My good buddy Tom Commissar here. All right. Well, I accept. I humbly accept. Uh, now I, somebody I pay us. Right. Right. Now we'll see a check. <laughs> Let's see. We can we can get a budget going here. We'll make it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, you got I'd love there, to right? you know to dream within a dream. It would be it would be fun. It would be fun times. Well, that being said, we'll put a pen in this one for the evening. Uh, it's been fun. It, it's always fun doing these with you, Tom. And we picked a good one here. This is a good fun flick, and I had a good time doing this one with you. So thank you for giving me a couple of hours of your time on a Sunday afternoon. I always appreciate it. 
Well, it was my pleasure, and uh, thank you, Vincent Price, for all your great work. And uh, and we sure love you, and we sure love your legacy of wonderful films. And you're a great man, a great actor, and a great entertainer. And uh, thank you, Cameron, for letting me be a part of this. Uh, we had a lot of fun today, and uh, and I uh, hope the audience you surely will enjoy it. And please, want go go see the movie. Go go see it. Get just get on your computer and watch it. Yeah, get it's on that, your computer, it's that, it's get on your simple. laptop, stream get it, on your laptop and, and, and plug it in and, and watch it. And you can uh, watch it anywhere. Movie. And then if you watch it, buy a copy of it. Put some money buy a copy there. of it. Buy a copy of it. And I tell you, and again, thank you so much for letting me be part of this. I had a lot of fun today, and uh, and I'm well, thank grateful. you for thank doing you. it. I always appreciate your time. My pleasure. My and pleasure. <laughs> Well, that being said, we'll put a pen in this one for the afternoon. Folks, you've been listening to Cinema Degeneration's Vincent Price Appreciation Month. We've been dissecting, not for real, but dissecting the movie The Tingler. And keep tuning in because we got a few more of these shows coming at you. Not at all. You see, you're a good teacher, darling. You've taught me how to get what I want no matter who gets hurt. What do you mean by that? Just this. Ever since you've been Lucy's guardian... You've been trying to ruin her life. Not only that, you've greedily kept what was rightfully hers. Now I'm going to give you a choice. Either you give Lucy half of all the money you've got and leave her alone, or you commit suicide right now.